Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the HypnoDojo, a place of learning for practitioners and students of hypnotherapy. Get your black belts in all things hypnotherapy as we whip into shape your mindset, mastery, and marketing. Relax, enjoy, learn. Here's your sensei, Linda Campbell. Hello and welcome to the Hypno Dojo. As the man says, I'm Linda Campbell. I am the director of the Horizon Center School of Hypnotherapy and the president of the Canadian Association of Counseling Hypnotherapists and Educators. I have somebody in my studio office today for an interview. I have Oz Sevilla, Sevilla, Sevilla Delgado, uh, who has worked as a stage hypnotist for over 28 years, no longer is doing this. He has since taken hypnotherapy training and is on the verge of launching himself as a hypnotherapist. But in that time, 28 years, did over 10,000 shows, audiences of thousands of people, uh, and has had to go through a lot of relearning in order to adjust to being a hypnotherapist. So I thought it might be fun to have him come in and talk a little bit about what that process was like and the difference between stage hypnosis versus hypnotherapy and what's been involved in kind of rewiring the brain. Where I want to start, though, is we have kind of a funny little story, you and I. Uh, we met at a stage hypnosis training in Vegas, and the evening, the first evening we went, met, we went for this big, long walk, and I remember you referring to me as a hypnotist and me kind of stepping in and going, oh, no, 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 I'm a hypnotherapist, and you kind of looking at me like, what's the freaking difference? Why are you making a big deal about this? Um, and you've since said to me, as of more recently, that you understand. So I'm curious <laughs> to know uh, what you thought hypnotherapy was about back then, before you had any real exposure to the training or to the world of hypnotherapy. What was your perception when you were a stage hypnotist of what we do? I, I, it's, it's, it's really shameful. <laughs> it's really shameful, the, the, um, the idea of, how, of what hypnotherapy was. Um, when we had that conversation and you called yourself a hypnotherapist, you said, you know, I'm a hypnotherapist, not a hypnotist. And at the time, I didn't understand the difference between a hypnotist and a hypnotherapist, and now I do. And the truth is that when you're a hypnotist and you're doing shows on stage, um, yes, you, you get people in hypnosis, you help them go into a very deep level, because that's what you need to do in order to have a good show. Um, so, and this is kind of scary too, because most hypnotists around don't have the slightest idea of what hypnotherapy is. As a hypnotist, I used to think that because I was able to get people in hypnosis, the only thing I needed to do was get a script. You know, if you want to quit smoking, I'll read a quit smoking script. If you want to feel, you know, uh, self-confidence on the roof, create a threat and self-confidence. And that was it, because you are, quote-unquote, reprogramming the brain in just one session, right? <laughs> so your perception was just get the person really deep, oh, yeah. reprogram their brain. I'm using air quotes in case people can't hear them. Reprogram the brain using a script in one session, and that's it. Oh, yeah. That was that was a perception. And, that, and now, right now, like, thinking back, 
I had to unlearn a lot of stuff when I when I when I decided to retire from the station and start um, my, my studies for to certify myself as a hypnotherapist. The first thing is the induction. So I worked for years in order to be able to get the shortest, fastest, most showy, well-factored induction I could get. And I did it. <laughs> but turns out that when you're in hypno, when you're doing therapy, when you're in hypnotherapy, there's no audience to impress. You don't no, need the wow factor. And it's not, it's not a, it's not a proper induction for a client. You, when, when you, this is the thing. When you're doing a show, yes, you try. I mean, a good hypnotist, and I know many of them. You worry about the safety of the volunteers, quote unquote volunteers, right? Um, the induction tends to be showy, theatrical, um, but the truth is that you never take in consideration the feelings, thoughts, ideas, fears, or whatever from 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 the person you have in front of you. So, just right there, the induction per se, I had to unlearn doing the induction a theater way, and learn to do an induction in a in a in a you know in a decent. <laughs> like a decent human being. Uh-huh. Um, I remember having a conversation with you actually about when you would do your inductions on stage and how you wouldn't even really be looking at the volunteers, the people on stage with you, but you'd be looking out into the audience, delivering the induction, but kind of watching the audience or making contact with the audience as opposed to really paying a lot of attention yeah, to people on stage. Yeah, definitely true. Yeah, yeah. so in hypnosis, in, in hypnotherapy, when we're doing hypnotherapy, obviously we're keeping our eyes on the client all the time. You're watching for subtle little changes that might be occurring. You're looking for, you know, when you can tell they've gone into hypnosis. You're watching for an ab reaction. What if you say something that triggers the person, they start crying. So when you look back at doing induction, <laughs> where you're backwards to all of the people that you were doing an induction, <laughs> like, how does that feel? It's horrible. <laughs> To my defense, it was not that I was not looking at them. Yes, I looked at them, but just to make sure that they were doing what I was telling them to do, um, once I had them with their eyes closed and I started my induction, yes, I just looked at them really briefly, but I was focusing on the, on the audience because from time to time I have audience members that, go, that went to hypnosis without me even prompting them to do so. Okay. Um, but the truth is that when I look back, I wonder, I really wonder how many people, I mean, I did 10,000 shows. That's a lot of shows, like a lot of them. So I cannot help but wonder how many people were afraid of going into hypnosis, and they went there anyway, but just because I was pushing them. And one of the things we were talking about the other day was that when you do a stage hypnosis show, people think when they learn, quote, unquote, the terms, uh, that we, I'm giving a, the indu- I was giving the induction in a paternal way. But the truth is that it's not even paternal. I found it in a bully way because you don't even ask them <laughs> if they're okay with you doing the induction the way you're doing it. Right. Yeah. You're bullying somebody into hypnosis. Well, a lot of stage yeah. hypnosis is really compliance. You're in charge. They're yeah. going to do what it is you tell them to do, or you boot them off the stage. Right? Oh, yeah. Completely different 
attitude when we're working with a client. Um, this reminds me of another little funny story. Uh, one of the exercises that I do in class is the blindfold exercise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> you remember this. You're going to love me telling this story to the world. Yes. Um, I've told this story to a lot of people because it's such a great demonstration of the different mindset. Um, so what I do before my students can hypnotize somebody, I have them blindfold a partner and then take that partner on a stroll around the building. And I don't give any instructions. The only instruction is bring your partner back safely. And then afterwards, we talk about what was it like to be blindfolded? What did you need from your partner? Uh, what was it like to be the leader? What were you doing? What were you thinking? What were you watching out for? And I use it as an analogy for what it feels like for a client who's unfamiliar with hypnosis to go into hypnosis with you for the first time. Typically, the person who's got the blindfold on needs a lot of support. They need directions. They need to be able to trust the person to feel they're being watched out for. They need to be able to set the pace for themselves. They need to basically feel safe. And uh, when we first did that exercise in the class that you were in, I remember watching when we started the exercise, you just grabbed your partner by the arm and said, come with me, trust me, and just the poor woman you were working with was kind of like grabbing onto the wall, trying not to be dragged along while you were just taking her down the hallway. And I remember thinking, okay, so we're going to have a little unlearning to do here because a stage hypnotist, of course, would do the exercise that way. I'm in charge. Come along with me. You don't need to give, I don't need to give you any information, support, advice, not advice, uh, you know, whatever, yeah, I'm in charge and you'll just come with me. So I'm curious, like, when you look back on that, I want to know what's changed for you. Like, you're just about to launch yourself as a hypnotherapist. What would you say the most um, noticeable, the most obvious, or the most difficult maybe changes that you've had to make have been over the course? I mean, you started with just the induction had to be mm -hmm. different. It's not paternal. You're not bullying people in hypnosis. You're keeping your eyes on them. You're going at their pace. But what else have you had to shift? Well, um, there have been many things that I have to shift, uh, both on the hypnosis level and also on the personal uh, level. On the hypnosis level, what changed a lot was, of course, uh, the way of doing an induction. Uh, I actually uh, spent a long time uh, confused and not knowing what to do with everything I knew because as it, as it turned out, a lot of the things I knew about hypnosis were totally useless on, a, on hypnotherapy, yeah. right? Um, the, Can you give me an example? What would you say was something that you relied on or used a lot as a stage hypnotist that as a hypnotherapist is completely useless to you? Well, when you're a stage hypnotist, uh, you play with the uh, imposing game, right? And I, and I think I need to clarify this because um, how you do shows in, in, in the United States and in Canada and in great parts of, actually in every place that they speak English, and how hypnosis shows are made in, in Hispanic uh, places is completely different. Yeah, so we need to just... Yeah. Add in here that yeah. a lot of your shows were across Central and South America, yeah. doing shows to Hispanic yeah. in Spanish. Yeah. So there's a different mindset. There's a yeah. different belief about hypnosis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, when you when when a, a stage hypnotist in Latin America uh, goes on stage, it's an imposing thing. You have to be like you know the hypnotist. 
You are the person with the power. And that's how people perceive hypnosis. Even when you tell them that it's not magic, it's not witchcraft, it's nothing mystical, they don't believe you and they believe it's something like mind power. So one of the things I had to change was my approach in, in talking to someone that wants to get a hypnosis done on them. So the first thing was the voice, right? <laughs> can you give us, can you do the stage hypnosis voice? I'll try because I haven't done it in a while. But, for example, it, it used to be really, really, really low and it had to be mystical. So, like, look into my eyes. Yes, yeah, so you guys can't see what's happening here, but your whole face just changed. Yeah. So you tilt your head down, you're yeah. looking up at me, you've got those, like, yeah, you know, cutting through ice kind of eyes, <laughs> like, really intense. Normally, you have kind of a relaxed and yeah. happy-looking face, but that was just, like, Jekyll and Hyde yeah. happened just here. Okay. Yeah, so it's completely different. Yeah, because you can't be staring down your no. hypnotherapy client. No, you. so one of the things was, of course, like the voice. Now it, had, it, it is more relaxed and more patient and empathic and compassionate voice. Yeah. So it changes a lot, right? The moment you change that alone, it, because my French, messes up with your whole belief system, because you have to learn how to speak differently. Right. The yeah. language. So I have a theater background. When you're on stage, it's all about projection, yeah. right? You you need your voice yeah. to be heard. I mean, you probably had a microphone, too, I would imagine. Yeah. But yeah. you need your voice to be heard at the back yeah. of the Add into that the paternal approach, the you're a commanding figure on stage. Yeah. Yeah, how you're using your voice and the way you present is completely different in a yeah. hypnotherapeutic environment. You're you're actually needing to soften it a lot. Oh, yeah. to, you know, so yeah, I, even just from that place I can see you probably had to we were joking the other day, you said that basically I opened up the top of your head and like, you know, tilted you upside down and, and dumped yep. out all the useless information that was in there. Got a jam packed your noggin full of stuff that's yeah. more relevant to hypnotherapy. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the induction. Induction, the, the voice. The voice. Uh, the general approach with, uh, with the person you are interacting, um, the language you are using, like, uh, in, in stage hypnosis, you put people in hypnosis. You don't yeah. get them into hypnosis. You're not. It's not permissive. It's, yeah. This is how you're going to do it. And actually, one of the things that I used to say when I did shows is, if you do what I tell you, when I tell you, what I tell you, most probably you will. You, well, of course you will, right? <laughs> yeah. But the thing is that the language, the way you, you define hypnosis also changes. Uh, when you are interacting with a with a client, you cannot get your own thoughts in the way. Like you have to be totally empathic. You cannot like judge. Like when you're when you're a stage hypnotist, you don't care about that. You don't think about those things, right? You're just worried about the show. Yes, okay. you're worried of the on the safety of your volunteers. Yeah. But what they think or feel or no, yeah, yeah, you don't like like it's it's like uh, honestly, I I have I I went through a really hard time uh, at a moment course where I wondered how many people actually had a phobia or created a phobia because of the skit or because of something someone said on the audience 
because they're wide open. The subconscious mind is just receiving everything you're listening right there, right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of concerning. And me having been a stage hypnotist and now about to become a hypnotherapist really puts things into perspective because I have both worlds now. And now I am really concerned, that is really worrying to see that there are, again, quote-unquote uh, stage hypnotists that don't know, don't actually know what they're doing. They have been doing things for many years. Ones that are starting right now, that they have gotten their training from a DVD or a book, if at all. Yeah, no feedback no on feedback what they're doing, on what no they're doing. So this... I want, to, I want to come yeah. back to this, but I want to, I want to just <clears throat> reference something you said a little earlier because it mm-hmm. got my attention, and I think this is an important point as well. You talked about, um, with hypnotherapy, having to leave your own thoughts and judgments mm-hmm. out of it. So I would imagine doing a stage show, it's about the hypnotist, what you look like on stage, it's your show, it's your skit, it's your, it's your face on the poster, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of filler, like they're the entertainment. Whereas with a client... It's not about the hypnotherapist at all. all. Mm -hmm. Um, We're actually kind of the filler. I mean, that's not the right term. But when the client comes in, we're finding out about what it's like to be in their world. You know, what are their beliefs? What are their ideas? You know, if they've got some crazy, faulty behavior, where did that come from? It makes sense when you dig a little and find out. Mm -hmm. So I'm always talking to my students about leaving your own judgment out of it. You know, if a client comes in and says, you know, they've got this problem. You can't be like, oh, that's a stupid problem. You know, <laughs> find a real problem. That's not big enough. Yeah. Or if the client, you know, uh, believes they have a past life that's still impacting on them and you don't believe in past lives, you can't say, well, that's right. ridiculous. Right. Because your opinion has nothing no. to do with what's yeah. going on. So even that must have been quite a switch for oh. you to kind of get over yourself a little bit and, and not make it about you but be able to really focus on Leaving your own judgment and perceptions and ideas out of it and oh, yeah. go with what Definitely. the client is. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the hardest parts for me was to let go of my stage persona and start being me. <laughs> I think that was the hardest part because it was, I mean, it was almost three decades of doing shows, traveling around, and people just being amazed at what you do, and then suddenly what I think, what I believe, what I want means nothing because if if you're the client, no matter what you think, doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, We talked the other day, too, about being empathetic. I didn't know what that meant, right? Um, I was the, like, imagine this, like, in in, in in a marquee, the hypnotist, right? <laughs> so from because from being the hypnotist to being a hypnotherapist, it's a really weird, wild, interesting, and positive <laughs> growth. Because yeah, knowing that you can help someone and that you're doing it with a talent you have. In this case, my is hypnosis. I had to throw away, I think, 85%, 90% of, what, of how I did hypnosis, of how I approached hypnosis. And I guess I did take uh, some transferable skills and everything, but they're minimal. Yeah, so <laughs> they're I would minimal. ask you, be honest with me here. When you first signed up to the course, 
did you think you were going to kind of just cruise through? You already knew it all. It was going to be a total cinch. You wouldn't have to learn a whole lot. Like, did you think that oh, you yeah. were already coming in with enough to be able to do what when, I did? When I, when I started the course, uh, and, 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 of course, there are people in the classroom that don't know, don't know anything about hypnosis, yeah. right? So knowing that I had a 28-year Advantage, advantage. Yeah. <laughs> of course. It was kind of an ego, of an ego, uh, ego trip, right? Yeah. So my thought was that okay, you know, uh, I, I'll humor her. I, no, <laughs> no, not that humor her, but I was like, okay, so maybe I'm not. I was not that wrong. Like maybe there will be a point in the course. Well, you know, it, it will be like say this, say that, and press the change. Next, right? <laughs> and unfortunately, and I have to say this, there are. That do that, or that that believe that hypnosis is like that. Yeah. I right now, I am really impressed, concerned, angry, and I don't know what other words mm-hmm. of to see how on social media, mostly on Facebook, on do, uh, there are a lot of communities about of hypnosis and you know support groups, mm-hmm. and you come across, and I even posted that on my personal timeline. Someone asking if they had training in hypnotherapy, and they say, oh, yeah, I'm a hypnotherapist. I trained 12 hours with this guy, five hours with this girl, and another seven hours with this guy. And the person that that, that asked the question then answers her, oh, that's great. Just make sure that your learning is insurable because I'm learning everything I need to know from a website and I go like, okay. So, okay. So, what's the problem there? Because you initially thought it was just a matter of reading a script to a client who's super deep in hypnosis. <laughs> so now you're listening to people saying they've got 14 hours of this kind of training, six hours of that training. They're getting it all from a website or from a book. So, tell me how you see hypnotherapy now. Well, how I see how I see hypnotherapy now is is I, I see it in, like I have two sides for that answer, right? Uh, one side is the hypnosis part. Um, hypnosis is an extremely powerful and valuable tool for change. The therapy side, unfortunately, I know hundreds, literally hundreds of hypnotists and quote-unquote hypnotherapists. And most of them practice, quote-unquote, like that, yeah. reading scripts and if it doesn't work on the first session, they repeat the same script on the second session. If it doesn't work on the second it's the one, it's the client's fault. Yeah. yeah. And if they don't get results, it's not their fault. It's the client's fault, yeah. and that is wrong. That's yeah. one part. I agree. Now, the other thing I see is that it is concerning to see how people call themselves hypnotherapists without having the training and without having the knowledge to deal with whatever happens with the client in the chair. Right? Um, it depends, of course, on, on, on how you learn hypnosis, too. Because the way I was taught hypnosis was in that, you know, dominant alpha male wizard uh, personality. Yeah. Whereas when you learn hypnosis in a therapeutic environment to, to, to practice hypnotherapy, it's in the maternal, even if you even have a paternal pattern, it's still very slow and compassionate, and you want the client to to feel safe and supported, not being judged, 
and you want the, the, the client to feel, you know, that they're not uh, broken, you're helping them to overcome a challenge. It's not, it's not you know, it's, and when you talk to other hypnotherapists that have been stage hypnotists or, do the, or, or they still do both things, their language is not the same. Uh, they're not trained. Uh, their training has been by books or by friends, but actually most of them cannot provide any document, any certificate to show that they have been properly trained. Yeah. Now, there, there, are, there, there are hypnotherapists, that they call themselves that, that train people to certify themselves as a hypnotherapist in a weekend yeah. in Vegas. So I wonder, how do you, how can you get terrified when you don't know anything about, first of all, about so, hypnosis? Yeah, so the problem is they don't know what they, they don't, don't know. know. Yeah. It wasn't so long ago that you were thinking, well, what's the big deal? I just get somebody deep in yeah. the script. True. So this is a different approach. Yeah. And, and so there's kind of tiers here. We've got, you know, the... The hypnotist, hypnotist, air quotes, who learned it from a book who, you know, entertains his friends at a party kind of thing. Not out there trying to make a living, just it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. I've learned how to do it. And you got these stage hypnotists who have learned one way or another, but they think that because they know how to put somebody into hypnosis, they know how to do therapeutic work. So they're they're kind of bleeding over into the hypnotherapy world, but in a really ineffectual way, without mm-hmm. proper understanding of what makes it therapy. Because oh, yeah. therapy is different from hypnosis. And this is the yeah. thing that people don't understand. Yeah, they think hypnosis totally. and hypnotherapy are interchangeable terms. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> to try to like briefly summarize, uh, I attend board meetings for an organization called FACT-BC, which is the Federation of Associations of Counselors and Therapists in BC. And they're working on getting a college of counselors formed so that there's regulation and standards when it comes to training, when it comes to education, and how we run our practices. And at the latest board meeting, they were talking about what they're going to be asking people to have as qualifications in order to be able to call yourself a clinical counselor or some version of that clinical hypnotherapist. They want you to have 450 hours of one-on-one time with clients before they will even consider you as being allowed to be part of this organization. They want you to have 100 hours of supervision. So a supervisor is working with you to talk about your work with clients, to work through stuff that's coming up for you. 100 hours at the supervisor's rate, let me add. Um, They need to have at least, you know, our organization that I run, you need to have at least 150 hours of training plus supervision, plus continuing education, all of this. And yet, here are people reading a book or taking a weekend course, and they think that now that they know how to do hypnosis, that they can also do therapy. And this is scary. Like, it is scary. Yeah. Uh, is you really talk scary. about people being improperly trained. I remember seeing a stage hypnotist once, shared this story with you, uh, as one of his skits told the people he had on stage to go back to being five years old. You know, supposed to be, I guess, a bunch of five-year-old kids playing together. But one person just started screaming blue murder, and he (laughs) indicated to his help to come and take them off stage, and that was the end of that. What happened to that person? Well, what we discovered afterwards was that woman had been in a car accident when she was five years old that had killed both of her parents. And because of his improper wording, (laughs) 
he basically caused her to go back and have a spontaneous re-experience of being in this car accident without any follow-up, without any care. And he probably didn't even know what happened to himself. Mm -hmm. He was busy doing a show. Um, We were talking recently about, you know, would you ever do a show again? And you're like, "Ah, I don't think I could because you would be so up in your head thinking about (laughs) How would you even word something so that you don't trigger somebody's yeah. reaction? You know, how could you keep them safe? Yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's definitely like one of the things. One of the changes was that being aware of the person that is in front of you. So now, actually, I see it impossible to do a show too. I wouldn't be able to keep track and be up in my head. Forty or fifty people on stage. Yeah. That's a so, lot of people to keep track of. I can't. I'm such a mother bear when I've got one yeah. person in the yeah, chair. No, you can't. You know, I can't you imagine can't. having 50 and trying to keep them all feeling comfortable. Yeah. We just got our 30, 90 minutes or 90 minutes, 90 seconds to go. What I'd like to do is bring you back if you'd be willing. Because you were, I'm talking, about, excellent. I'm you were talking about you had to make changes <laughs> professionally, happy. but you also had to make changes personally. personally. Yeah. So we've kind of touched on some of the changes you had to make professionally. I would love to. Of course. And also talk some more about the personal changes that you've had to make. But how can people get a hold of you? Um, I have a website called uh, yourboundlessmind.com. Okay. Um, I have information there. My email is help at yourboundlessmind.com. Any questions, everything, I'm more than happy to answer. And I'll see you next Friday. Great. Thank you so Thank much you. for Thank coming Thank you for, for having me here. It's not going to let us have any end music.